Welcome to Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC, and a place where leaders learn from leaders. Let's join today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another Perspectives podcast episode where leaders learn from leaders. I'm your host, Kenitra Kiki Hikes. And today we have a very exciting podcast. And what makes it even great for me is that I get to sit down and have a conversation with two people that I have called my leaders. And we've worked at the same organization for years. And I've had the privilege to report into both of them. So I'm excited. Thank you, Crystal and Valerie, for joining. And welcome to today's episode. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So before we jump into um, the beef of everything and talking about the role of senior leadership, um, why don't we take a moment here for you and Crystal to do some introductions, introduce yourself, and give us a little background of your professional history. Gosh, this is this is exciting. So uh, thank you for hosting and, and uh, sharing in this time. And Crystal, thank you for being here. I am Valerie Wilson. I'm the CEO and founder of Essence Learning. Um, I think that uh, I was sharing with, with Kiki and Crystal earlier before we started the podcast that probably the, one of the hardest things for me to do is really to sum up my professional background. I've been uh, in leadership uh, since I was 19 years old, so about 47 years I've been in the space of leading others. So I think no matter what industry I was in or what organization I was in, I played in that role. Um, and so I think that would kind of sum up my professional background as a leader uh, from a very young age and all the lessons learned. So I think that managing a role of senior leadership will be a good topic for me to share more about my professional background as we d- dive more into some of the some of the discussion. So. Uh, thanks for having me. Great. Thank you. Crystal? I'm Crystal Kohenke, and I currently serve as the Senior Vice President and Chief People Officer for a Pediatric Healthcare System. I'm excited to be um, here and honored that these two wonderful people thought to include me in this topic. And so that means a lot to me all by itself that I've had the chance to work with them and they're asking me to speak on my experiences. Um, I have been um, an HR leader for a very long time. I can't even go back far enough to, to think about it, but I've been <laughs> fortunate enough to be um, in leadership roles across multiple industries and with different kinds of organizations for the last 20 or so years. And by the last 15 to 20, um, I've been in, in a vice president role. So excited to share whatever I can share that might be helpful to anyone that might be listening. All right. Well, great. Thank you both and welcome. Um, and so, you know, while we're talking about the role of senior leadership, and now, Crystal, you said it's hard for you to go and back and think back, but I want you both to think back because we have to start at the beginning to kind of tell the story about where you are now. So I want to know, and I, I want the audience to know as well, what was your first job? And is there anything about that first job that stuck with you throughout your career? Oh. I'll go ahead and go first. I mean, my very first job, um, and I actually worked retail all the way through college. So from about the time I was 15 to the time I graduated from college, I worked in retail. And it was, the. I think the thing that I learned the most was being flexible because, you know, I was going to school and I was involved in different things. And I had a great boss that, you know, allowed me to do different things and to be flexible with my time. And and, um, that was something I think that was, um, that I try to carry on is that, you know, we all have lives outside of just the work and how do we help to um, have have our employees be able to take advantage of of some flexibility. Well, that's 
Uh, similar. I started at the age of 14 at a a record shop. I think we call them vinyl shops now, right? <laughs> uh, and I remember um, I was the manager of that 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 fine establishment, and um, would go there after school um, and would work. And I worked there probably until uh, I graduated out of um, high school, and then I went and started. And I was a manager of a, a teller at a savings loan. And what was so um, exciting for me at that time, of course, being able to earn my own my own income um, and taking care of myself and being able to contribute. My mother was a single parent, so being able to contribute back to the household, mm -hmm. not take away from the household, um, made me independent and think outside of the box, think of ways that I could provide and make a way for myself. And so once I became, uh, that le left open a door for me to feel confident enough to go in and ask for a role at a savings alone, which again, if you think back um, 40, 47 years ago, that that was quite a huge undertaking to walk into a bank um, in an all white male industry and ask for a position at, at the age of 19 um, and then and to get it. And so that was, um, at that time, didn't realize how pivotal, pivotal that was and how important that was. But now reflecting back, that has taught me that I've always had that confidence. And so I've always been able to build on that level of confidence. I guess when you don't know that you that you shouldn't be confident. <laughs> I didn't know that I shouldn't have asked yeah. for that job. So um, that, that taught me a lot of things as well. And who would sometimes associate confidence with leadership, right? So oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that maybe that might not have been a definition or a part or, or a characteristic of what defines a leader is confidence, but we can definitely say it's transformed into that definition. Um, so, you know, talking about transformation and how it all started, you know, taking a look at leadership, how would you define leadership and how is it transformed over the years. Uh, there's all kinds of cultural, new cultural aspects in the world that have really transformed the way leadership styles are. So how have you seen it transformed and what would be your definition of leadership? Go ahead, Crystal. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting, it changes, it changes over time as I grow and I learn. Um, my definition I think of leadership is getting things done through people. And that is a lot easier, I think, said than done. Um, and I think how it's transformed, at least for me, that people think that being the leader needs you, you have all the answers and that you're the one that can figure all the stuff out and then people will just do what you, you tell them to do. Well, that's not the way real leadership works. You seldom have all the answers. And so I think over the years, I've learned that um, the people around me are really smart they have great ideas and how do you create an environment um, through your leadership that enables them to be able to share and to contribute because if anybody if any leader says they have all the answers they're they're not telling the truth they really don't right i agree with with uh with what you said and you know a lot of the transitions that you're seeing often come from what you learned what to do or not to do based upon people who have let you um, and so sometimes you understand the uh, what didn't work um, because you, you you were part of that regime and then you learn what does work and over the years i think that's kind of how i've seen leadership transition uh, 
So we went, you know, again, at the age of 19 and 20, 25, in those early ages, we were managers. We were people that managed, to, to Crystal's point, the, the getting the job done through the people, but we had to manage that whole process, that whole the whole uh, idea of here's what has to be done, here's how you have to do it. We were the ones in charge, right? And so there was the word boss, there was the word manager, there was all of those things that um, we felt like we had to do. We felt like you had to have the answers. You felt like you had to be the boss. You had to tell people when to come in. They, people had to be, and everybody had to be equal across the board. There was no alleviating. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, we've learned that um, that's not what satisfies folks at work. And that's not what gets the job done. We learned that people will do what you tell them to do when all of the time you could have had so much more done because um, they have much more to offer than what you were in your little mind was thinking they could do. So allowing people to be to reach their full potential and say, hey, here's here's our task at hand team. How do we get there? So making the target clear for everybody that works for you or with you or around you or surrounding you and then allowing them to approach that target and you be a resource to make sure that they have the tools and the, and the knowledge and the experience that they need in order to get where they're going and the collaboration and all of those things. So you have to be that um, person who's flexible and moving and agile and, and, and understanding. And one of the things that I think that I've learned um, most in the last five, 10 years of leadership is the the, 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 the importance of listening. You know, um, we didn't mm. do that as leaders coming up. You did what I said, do what I, or even as I do, but the listening part has been something that has had to develop over the last 10, 15, 20 years, because we just didn't have to do that as leaders. Right, um, and right. now it's imperative. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny because, you know, I was just talking to somebody on my team yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, and um, relatively new person to my team, they were talking to somebody else that's been on my team for a little while. And they're like, we just wish sometimes you would tell us what to do. I'm like, is that really what you want? <laughs> uh, you know, we hear that. And, and then, you know, Crystal, one of the things that, you know, I know you do well, because uh, I've had the privilege of working for you directly, is you ask questions to lead you to oh. your thought process. And I know that I do that same that same technique and yes. it drives most folks crazy because they're like, where are we going? We're, we're, we're not going anywhere. I'm just trying to gather information, but everybody thinks in your head because you are the leader that you really have a direction you're trying to go. You know, really, I, I don't know. I just want to know the direction yeah. you're trying to go. Yeah. 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 Where you are in all of this and where am I and where are we, where do we have gaps? I'm really trying to do this in discovery. So I think that is a huge um, technique that we use to, to identify, you know, where our gaps are and where we do need to go because we don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. But the folks that report to us think, you know, I, I think Crystal has all those answers and she's just testing me or try, trying to see if I know what I'm doing. You're like, mm, no, I just really want to know. <laughs> yeah. Which is now I realize that's where I get my questioning skills from is from the both of you. <laughs> I've picked up on 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 that leadership trait of, of asking directional questions. We're so actually offering as part of our essence learning uh, courses is the power of questioning. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and and I told you working with and David Porter has been a part of our 
of Essence Learning uh, podcast as well. And um, he talks about the power of questioning or not those words, but that's really what it is. So I think that's probably been some of our, our uh, legacies that we've led as, as used as leaders as we manage in these senior leadership roles. So you got to be I'll, curious, right? Got to be, be curious. curious. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Got to be curious. There, Curiosity. There's a, there's a tip. Let's t- let's let's write that down, listeners. You got to be curious. Mm-hmm. That is that's yeah, a leadership that's a characteristic I have not heard before, yeah. but I now I understand. Yeah, yeah you have to be like curious. Mm-hmm. Got to be curious. I'm a, right. That one down. I'll give you credit for it. All right, all right. We, we'll send you the copyrights on that. That gotta be curious. So I love that. Um, and you know, both of you have been senior leaders in organizations. I know um, because I've worked with you both in those types of positions, and um, you've led all kinds of initiatives, uh, strategic planning, managing people, but uh, budgets, which is huge, right? Developing strategies all sorts of items that go along with being a senior leader as well. Um, And I want to know from your perspective, what is the most challenging skill to master? While we're talking about leadership skills and and characteristics, what do you feel is the most challenging skill to master? Budget. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna put that out there. Um, and, And for me, because I am a people leader by my own definition. I think that I lean towards the the man the managing the people aspect of leadership. My my skill sets around managing my skill sets around leading people. Um, I'm much more focused on that intu- intuitively. I mean, that's kind of where I go. That's my first place to go is to ask about the people or does everybody have what they need? And so that's my go to. The second is. Oh yeah, I got a process. I got to put it together. I got a strategy. I got to think about. I need to think about the budget. And so, what helps me to make that easier is I think about how does that help the people? Do I give them? The, am I giving them the right resources? Do I have the right focus? Am I so that I'm leading them correctly? So that's how I was able to um, become passionate about those process things mm-hmm. because it made me understand that it made me more effective in leading uh, and providing for the, the, the people side of the business. So it was, then, then it became like, okay, I could do this. I want to do this because it was really the end game was not just to have a budget or to meet numbers or to meet the widgets. It was really to make it easier for the folks that worked in our, in our business or in our departments to, to uh, work more effectively. So that, that helped me, but yeah, the budget, the processes, and the strategies, and all that. I'm thinking when I, I remember at the age 30 or so, it's like, oh my god, I don't think I want to do this thing anymore. So, <laughs> so I had to click that on that button on it. It's why I'm doing it and the benefit of it for for the folks that I so love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for me, I know this is not going to sound. Um, I'm going to be vulnerable. For me, it actually is the managing people part. All the process parts are easy because there are steps to follow. There are things to do. You know, those are those are easy. It's it's helping people to understand the vision, helping people understand how they align, helping 
people recognize where their strengths and opportunities lie and where they can grow to be able to attain that vision or to move in that direction and keeping and you know back to one of the things that I, I know about my I know myself very well that's one of the things I, I think from a leadership journey I know what my opportunities are um, there are things that I know that I'm very good at and I've really been able to fine-tune those but I also pay attention to those things I'm not good at and the reason I do that is because I try to supplement and, and fill my team in with those people that I'm not good at and I'm not an intuitive leader like Valerie I have to work at it I have to consciously pay attention to the feelings in the room the way people are reacting I have to really spend time understanding the skills and the wants and the desires of, of the people I I, um, I do I am not an intuitively, um, I, I do not intuitively pick up on people's emotions. So I have to work at that. And I have developed things in my, in my own leadership style that helps me identify or to check and touch base. And so I know this is going to sound probably contrary to the things that I'm saying, but for me, it's always being aware of the people, always being aware of how, when I say something, what that impact may have on people. Um, and so that's, to me, the hardest part of senior leadership is always thinking about each person as an individual and how they come together as the collective and trying to accomplish whatever goal you have. And like the budget piece, I have good people on my team that are good at the budget. So <laughs> I use your strength, you do the budget, but it's that it's, it's the alignment and continuing to help people feel seen, people feel, feel like they're having an opportunity to grow. Um, that's the hardest part, but it's also the most fulfilling part. Yeah. And I, I, as you were saying that, I remember so many conversations that you and I have had um, as we were on our development journey together. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember us having this, almost the same conversation. It was like deja vu, like we've had this conversation. <laughs> we've talked about this before. Yeah, we talked about this and how we are able to bounce and balance that. Okay, you keep an eye on this and you keep an eye on that and we'll continue to talk through that. And I think that's what really helped to make us effective in the way, in our reporting relationship and the way they reported to you and the, and the things that you wanted to have done. You had your eye on, you know, you need to be here, you need to be there, this is the gaps. And then I could come in and say, hey, here's where people are feeling, this is what the folks are doing. And we were able to respect one another in that way. So I think the idea of having those um, being self-aware, right? And then having those folks that are around you that um, feel comfortable. So I think that creating that environment, because mm. you know, there's all, all, all of us, none of us are gonna have both of those things. Mm -hmm. One is going to be more intuitive than the other. And so understanding that, that I can go down the road and we're all happy skipping and jumping and the, the whole company is burning behind us. And, and then there's other ones where we've got everything on the line and everybody's running out the door. So having that balance between you know i think that's why we work so well together is having that balance um to make sure that both of those things were done and had very effective departments and results so i, I think um that speaks a lot from our experience and how we manage in those roles yeah no i think that's great mm -hmm. and, and very much you know being on you know seeing and, and having you both as leaders i can see all of these traits and qualities and characteristics when you're talking about it and i'm like yes i do <laughs> i remember these things you know and and we've been through a lot of train the trainers together as well so these are things that i you know i hold dear one of one of the things that i do remember and i'm gonna you know go back a little bit and be a little bit emotional about it is that 
every time that uh, I would see you guys come out of a boardroom where you're meeting with other senior leaders in the company, you just seemed exhausted or like, you know, like you've had to, you know, really put up a fight in these last hours. And I never understood it until I moved into my senior leadership position and I walk into the room and I'm the only female of color in that room. And I know it was the same effect for both of you, you know? So, so looking back at that and talking about that, that has impacted me. And I'm like, I understand, I get it. I understand what they were in the room and what they were fighting for. And, but, they were the only person who looked like them in the room. So they had to fight just twice as hard. Um, and so, you know, hitting up on that, how, how really, you know, I can't share that with the audience, but how has your gender and your ethnicity played a fact into your career? Well, I know it's a difficult question. Yeah, it, it, it does start, you know, kind of, first of all, try to stir up emotions, right? So you, you try to, line up really what you brought into the room with you because your own biases and stereotypes you bring into bring into that space sometimes mm. that I, and i share that oftentimes when i'm training that i walk into a room where there's all white males and i'm the only whatever it's only female only african-american and the only woman the only of my age or whatever that only is um, I carry my own biases in there that they're not going to hear me. They're not going to listen to me or I've got to work twice as hard. So whatever I'm thinking in that scenario, I bring that with me. And so that's part of the burden is to unload that even before I get in. And then um, just responding with, here's what I came in here to do and here's what I need to do and getting that done. But to Crystal's point, if you're not in, intuitively aware of people's responses and reactions and then all of a sudden it hits you like oh my gosh <laughs> i wasn't expecting that or this came at me a different way um it does exhaust you because you're having to play play down your own emotions and, and manage your own emotions at the same time you know show that you're capable and able and and, and go in there and get the job done that you came in there for whatever presentation that was whatever ask you have, whatever needs you have, um, whatever um, results you're sharing, you've got to keep that focus. And then whatever response you need, you're trying to get that. So there was that added for me, taking, you know, taking away my own biases for before, as I walked in that room, managing the impact that some of those things were having on me, and then actually doing the work that I came in there to do. So I think that, um, you know, there was, I, I liken that to to people who learn different languages. I'm, you know, I come in here, mm. I'm, I'm having to unlearn my language, understand what they're saying, make sure I'm hearing and translating into this. So it's, it's all of that work being done and just and just trying to present it. So those, those meetings could become difficult, particularly if you had a sensitive conversation that you were trying to have or something that was gonna, you knew were gonna meet resistance just based on the, the topic or the content. And so then all those other things my gender, my race, my age, my, you know, my my position, because I wasn't always the highest in the room. So all of those things weighed into uh, how I presented myself, even from the what am I going to wear when I go in there, you know, yeah, yeah, to you know, all of that. Thought just couldn't just walk in the room and say I got a presentation and here it is. You just that just never was part of that. Well, and I have, I have, I think two different examples of when my, my race and gender came into play. One was 
in in the room in the boardroom and another would be with 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 direct reports which is which is not has happened recently and kind of surprised me a little bit i've never had this situation happen before but back to the boardroom piece um, my very first executive position um, my very first VP over something uh, for, for an organization. I'd been there for quite some time. I'd moved up from manager to director to vice president of different areas. And then I got a seat at the quote unquote table. And I was surrounded by people that had been there a long time, including my former boss, who still, in, I still felt like saw me as that manager I was 10 years ago. And um, I don't, I won't say that I felt different because of my race, because I felt like, you know, I had moved up the ladder, I had gotten promotions, but I did feel different because of my gender. In that group, in that particular leadership team, it was always men with maybe one woman. And I had never seen other than one female be successful on that leadership team. Wow. I'd seen women come, you know, they tried, right? They would hire them, <laughs> but they didn't stay except for with this one particular woman that was able to do that. And so um, I was, I had I had a great mentor at the time and we had a lot of conversations around and I almost didn't take the opportunity because I had not seen a female be successful in that role, like I said, other than this one person. And during that um, discussion about the position, I asked if it would be possible because it would be my first senior level position in that in that kind of a role. I asked if I could have a coach, if that would be something that would be uh, part of the promotion. And they gave me one. And it made a huge difference because, right. you know, you've got the whole, I'm, you know, all these people that are sitting around the table, I'm, they hired me 10 years ago. I was a manager. Now, now I'm sitting with them. And, you know, I felt like sometimes they were patting me on the head. Oh, aren't you cute? You know? Yeah. <laughs> right? Aw, like, the little lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so I, you know, and then I did have a little bit, I mean, we all talk about, you know, the imposter syndrome piece, right? right. I had a little bit yeah. of that, you know, and yeah. it was intimidating to be in the room with these people that have been leaders in this organization for so much longer. Um, but that coach really kind of helped me step into my own comfort zone really, well, I won't even say, she pushed me into uncomfortable zones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and some of it was kicking and screaming and, and all of that other, you know, good stuff. Um, but, you know, part of that exercise, although I appreciated the opportunity and I learned and I grew, but it also helped me understand who I was as a person and what was important to me. And I it in and it led me to making a change to a different organization as a result of who I was, what was important to me, how I felt I should be treated and the value that I brought to the organization. And so um, I'm not saying that because I got a coach, I left, but the, the coach helped me be successful, I believe, at the time in that role, but it also helped me to do some self-exploration on who I was. I'd been there since I was a manager. I didn't know anything different. All I knew was that organization as a leader, and um, it was a chance for me to grow. Um, so that's one, that's, that's, I've been very fortunate after leaving that organization. I worked in um, organizations that, that put women forward, um, that had really strong diversity um, um, and you know, education um, and um, had diverse and inclusive environments. So, and, and now the senior team that I work with, it's more women than men. And so I've been very fortunate to be involved in organizations that celebrated female leadership. Well, Crystal, before you go on to that next example, I just uh -huh. want to ask a question. Yeah. The that's intriguing to me that you asked for the coach you had enough wherewithal self-awareness and i think even understanding i think i know that um probably as you have 
gone from position to position, you've really examined what are your gaps before you get into that role and what are your needs to help you support that. So I think that's one of the things I've learned from watching you as you move through through your, your career. And so what, um, what did you have to juggle with that? I mean, you hear she's pushed you into that uncomfortable zone. What was that that made you uncomfortable? Was it the a new role? Was it the I am the person that came up through the ranks and now I don't, what was the uncomfortableness? Hmm. Well, I think a lot of it was just having confidence in my own ability. I had a seat at the table because I earned it. And I did have good insight. I did know um, good information in regards to, you know, what to do there. And, um, and the other part of it too, and this is, I think was huge for me at the time. I had been that with that organization for, you know, almost a decade at that point. And I didn't have any external networks. And so part of it was pushing me to do things like this. I mean, I never did public speaking. I never got involved in things outside the organization. Okay. And um, and that helped me to also really think about who I was. I mean, these questions, these questions you're asking, I, I, they're, they're hard questions. And you have to think about who you are before you can answer them. And right. so that was a lot of what that coach brought to me was the self-exploration, what was important to me, who I was, what my values were, what did I want to represent, and um, and then two is just to really manage myself, my self talk. Right? It's like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't really deserve to be in this room. All these people have been here for so long, yeah. you know. And oh gosh, this person hired me when I was, you know, ten yeah. years younger, and they 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 know all the stupid things I did when I was younger. Oh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know? So that is that is really managing the role of senior leaders. I think you described it. Uh, very, very well in terms of those things that you just talked about, knowing yourself, being self-aware and, and challenging yourself, stretching yourself, this does make you uncomfortable, but then that self-talk um, and, and having someone else in your ear to counter counter that. Just yeah, that, that you voice. lie to yourself. You tell yeah. yourself yeah. Like bad stories. You talk about yourself, it, it, nobody it, talks about like it. Nobody else can talk about <laughs> you that way, right? <laughs> it balances right. out that imposter syndrome too. Yeah. And so many women are afraid to ask for things like coaching and things that will help them, you know, because they're afraid they're going to be yeah. put down or not looked upon as being a strong or leader ready. or ready for that position. Yeah. So I, I, there's nothing wrong with that's asking huge. for coaching to help you in those situations like that. I, I love that. So that, I think that's huge to take away in terms of, you know, being curious, but also knowing yourself and understanding that we say things to ourselves that nobody, we wouldn't allow anybody else to say. Yeah, right. Right. It's disrespectful of you to say right. something like that. We wouldn't right? talk to anybody the way we talk to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> right. But what a way to build confidence yeah. too. I, I think coaching helps you with that building the yeah, confidence. Get that coach coming into those. Yeah. Ways. That's great. Right. And I, I know she had that other story. I I'm sorry. Let's, oh, let's, no, go, no. To, okay. let's go to the peer story. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing this work for a long time and, and I actually just, um, it was moving into the role that I'm in now. There was somebody down on the team that had um, applied for the position and I had never had anybody to my face say anything like this before. But when I talk about the diversity and the gender piece, I had somebody tell me, well, the reason you got this job is because you're a minority and I couldn't get that mm. job because I'm not. And I, it was one of those, right? Well, it was a shocking, <laughs> a, a shocking moment, right? Excuse me while I close my mouth. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. Oh my gosh, did somebody just say that in my face? And then now, now I got to go think about it. And, and but, but you know, when uh, you know, when you when you ask that question, Kiki, it just that example popped up in my head too, because it's not just the boardroom, it's not just the senior room. It's 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 all around 
you know, how you interact and how people perceive you. And, and I feel like in that situation, I had to prove myself, right? Mm -hmm. I had to prove that I deserve this job and, and I shouldn't have had to feel that way. I earned the job. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Excellent points. Well, I know we're coming close to an end, but before we wrap up, I kind of want to do a roses and thorns uh, segment to end out. So I want to know from you, just give me, each of you give me your rose and your thorn. If we can start with thorns first, so we can end on a good note, but give me your rose and your thorn about uh, being a senior leader. And your thorn could be the challenges that you, you have to overcome. Yeah. Well, the thorn for me is letting people down. That mm. I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want anybody to feel like I wasn't my best. And because of that, it impacted their ability to be their best. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, I, I think the thorn for me is uh, remaining um, present. When you've been in leadership positions for so long, um, oftentimes you think people know what they don't know and you you know so i have to always say this is maybe their first time what i experienced 47 years i've been doing this so long so i've said it over and over again but they never heard it so being that that thorn is making mm -hmm. assumptions about for me is is that i i assume people have been on my journey and know what i know so i always have to kind of keep keep rolling back and um not have expectations that people already are here when they're just getting started. And so, I, you know, um, I, I have that, that back looking back thing, I need to really, you know, I want to want to be better at making sure that I remember, you know, what it's been like to, to get where, you know, get through these, 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 these roles, and what it is like to be that only or whatever, whatever they're going through. Um, as opposed to you could do it you know yeah you, you, you're you know you don't recognize it i think i can but can't <laughs> i don't have the strength oh come on get up and pull you you can do it i'm all that and i that's a thorn for me because that's not what they need people don't need that cheerleader they need that coach they need mm. that mentor so sometimes i'm that if i just say the positive things they'll believe me and off they go and it'll make all the difference in the world when they need so much more so that's my thorn i think okay what about your roses my rose is, is things like you, you are people like you, people that I've met along my journey that are that have grown. And I mean, look at what the two of you have been doing. That's amazing to me. And, you know, we were talking about a former colleague who's also a senior leader at a different healthcare system. You know, I mean, just seeing the people that have been on, um, I've been blessed enough to be um, to be able to work with on, on different teams and to see what they've become and and you know, again, you know, telling myself the story that maybe, maybe there was something good or bad that they learned from me that helped them. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's so much from you, Crystal. That is the rose is to have the vulnerability that you have and people around you that are willing to pour into you. And I'll, you know, publicly say that I don't know that the organization that we were in, if I had moved any further without the, the advocacy of Crystal and the champion that you were for me and the the role model that you were and to know that we didn't all we didn't start there mm -mm. <laughs> but our our relationship was grow to that so that's the rose i think that you don't always have to 
everybody's not going to start as your champion, your advocate or whatever, mm. but you want to continue to show up as that person that they can see and, and then be that person that someone can tap into. And Chris, we were that person that when we sat down and said, hey, you, you listened and you heard and you, you made a way. And so um, that's, that, that to me is, is, the, um, is the rose, is being able to be a part of that, that where someone made that way for me, but now I can, can create that path for someone else. And, and I, that, you know, makes me all teary eyed emotional and everything else, because I, you know, I, I have grown a love for you all and um, it grew from a place of, we had to work together to, we're seeking each other and opportunities right, right. to work yeah. together. Yeah. So yeah, you know, that, that's, that's, you, you can't ask for any more than that. I mean, your family has to be your family, but you, <laughs> you know, so when you have these types of relationships that last over 20, 30, years that um it still feels fresh and new yeah i think that's 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 what this is all about that's what true leadership is all about right and i think that's a beautiful thing too mm -hmm. so i just want to thank you both for being here and for being caring and thoughtful and present leaders throughout your career as well and i know that you have both made an impact in my life and many others as well i'm sure that many other people can sit in this chair and tell the same story so thank you both for sharing with our audience today um we're going to go ahead and end this podcast but please remember if you need anything for essence learning we've talked about um our power of questioning course coming up so uh, you can always reach out to us at www.essencelearning.net and with that, we will sign out with today's podcast on managing the role of a senior leader. Bye, Crystal. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining Perspectives, a podcast by Essence Learning LLC. Essence Learning is your solution to personal and professional development. We partner with our clients to develop a learning strategy that will increase productivity, enhance performance, and align with their purpose and goals. For more information visit us online at essencelearning.net or call us at 1-877-657-5755.